So a very, very, very warm welcome to uh, Milford Baptist Church for this celebration service um, of our 40th anniversary. My name is Andy Jones. I'm one of the current church leadership team here. Um, I've been part of this lovely church since 2020 when we moved in just two doors up the road, my husband and I, and uh, we've been here uh, ever since. It's a huge privilege to be up here today, being the one to welcome you. Um, I see some very familiar faces. I see some vaguely familiar faces and some new faces, um, but you're all very, very welcome indeed, and it's been lovely to see you all chatting. Um, I'm going to just do the down a COVID comment right now. So obviously some people are more vulnerable than others. So if you see some people in kind of chairs pulled to the side, then just all be very, please be very respectful um, of one another. Some people here today are probably a little bit, feeling a little bit vulnerable. So please just do respect people's space. Um, we've also, uh, which we didn't have in 1981, we've got some people on Zoom. So welcome to the Zoom people as well. Um, it's great to have had that technology, isn't it, the last, uh, over the last 18 months or so. Um, before we begin, also a quick message for any younger people who are here today. There are some craft tables right out at the back. Um, and for kind of maybe not so young but don't really want to sit in here, there are some sofas and things out there. Um, and we are super happy for people to move freely around. Please don't feel anyone has to sit quietly or sit still. We, are, we never have been that kind of a church and we don't intend to start to be that kind of a church today. So I hope you don't mind a little bit of movement and shuffle. Um, so I think that's, that's my notices. Um, we have so much to celebrate today. So we might run on a little longer than the John Withers finished in an hour. Um, so, <laughs> some of you will understand that more than others. Um, so, um, so again, you know what, if adults you need to move, you just do that too, but we've got loads to celebrate today, loads to pack in. Uh, so I want to start by inviting you to stand, to join with our first hymn, which John and I think was the first hymn sung in this building when it became Milford Baptist Church back in 1981. So let's stand together and sing To God Be The Glory.
Please sit down. And let's just pray together. To God be the glory, great things he has done. All glory to you, O God, because you are wise beyond all comprehension. All glory to you, O God, because you have revealed your wisdom through Jesus Christ. All glory to you, O God, because your grace is greater than all our sin. All glory to you, O God, because the good news of your work in Jesus Christ has the power to save us. All glory to you, O God, because there is nothing in all creation that can separate us from your love. All glory to you, O God, for Milford Baptist Church past, present and future. All glory to you, O God, forever and ever. Amen. So today for us um, at NBC, it's about looking backwards and celebrating what has been, looking around us and celebrating what we have now, and of course looking forward and celebrating what's to come. Um, so I'd like to invite to start John Withers and Simon Boddington, who is our current moderator, to come to the front and to start uh, sharing those reflections um, with an, an, an interview. So an interview with John. So good morning. Is this working okay? Switch it on on the bottom. Okay. Can you hear me? Sorry about that. Okay, so lovely. We, we've got a, uh, we're just going uh, to be asking John a few questions. The, uh, obviously, John was the, the first pastor here, as you all know, 40 years ago. Excuse me, I have heart trouble. Can we... Uh... <laughs> I, I, I might have in a minute. Can, can we use the other mic? Can I take that one away, maybe? Forty years ago, John, yes. you, you probably didn't have the technology to worry about, <laughs> and you were a very fortunate man, so let, let's move on. Okay, so, so John, um, really just to start with, just tell us a bit about what, 40 years ago, what was happening 40 years ago. I was a member of Godalming Baptist Church, where I'd been for about 20 years, uh, and I'd been the youth leader there, and then I remember I spoke my ordinary daily life being a youth worker at a school uh, so I decided to go down a bit and we talked about what was called in those days I forgot what it was called and got them anyway it was the younger children really now came to China and then there was news they got them in Baptist was asked to help out a, a, a brethren church in Farncombe which alas is no more 
And the pastor, Charles Campbell, had got this idea, you know, felt God was calling them to spread, to, to found church. So when here, Ken Murphy, a man who should be venerated above all, really, um, he uh, was the secretary here, and he felt that they were declining so much. I mean, this church had a wonderful life during the Second World War when Canadian soldiers were there, and lots of people, Canadians, came here to worship. And it had a strong Sunday school group too, but it had gone right down. Ken felt that they weren't getting anywhere. So he rang uh, Charles Campbell, the minister at Notre Baptist, and uh, said, would you be prepared to come and sort of take it over, start again? Uh, and Charles said yes, and so it was decided that was to happen, and I was asked to um, lead the work. Uh, the beginning of it was that um, we were only to meet here on a Sunday morning and have a service, and for everything else, anything else that happened was to go back to headquarters in Godalming. Uh, but um, the church began to grow and have a life of itself. Now, I'm supposed to read, Simon likes one bit of this. This is a booklet uh, that uh, I wrote 20 years after we started. Uh, and it's this little bit. There was, uh, was two factors that under God helped with the quite rapid growth of the church. One was, there was no sense of them and us. The members of the former URC were uniformly gracious about changes that were made. Ken Murphy remained the secretary of the new church, as he had been of the URC, and agreed to become a member of Godalming Baptist Church so that he could become the secretary of Baptist, Milford Baptist Church. So that was number one, but there was a strong sense that this was everybody's work. The pastor, John Withers, was a full-time teacher there was no way that everything could be left to him. Absolutely. And so we began and gradually it expanded. And I think Elizabeth, who's going to speak a bit later, uh, will talk about the growth of the church. Lovely. Thank you very much, John. Thank you for that. So just thinking about the ethos of the church. I mean, churches, like people, have a personality, don't they? And honestly, in a church, we have a corporate personality, which is actually made up of all we are as people. Could you just talk a bit more about that people aspect, which is so central to a, a lively, successful church. Um, you didn't tell me you were going to ask me that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very much there, that really, that we're all in this together. I'm not very keen on hierarchies and things of that sort, and people venerating me because you hold a certain position. I'm not very keen on any of that. Uh, so I think that's an important thing, that we, we welcome anybody uh, I knew a church where, uh, where my brother was at one time, and there, uh, it was rather on a low ebb, and they had uh, somebody come in, where, and the boy was wearing a hat, and some good Christian person, I'm sure he was, rebuked this boy for wearing a hat in church. They never came again. Uh, so it's that sort of thing that I'm dead against in churches that we should, as Andy was saying, if a child makes a bit of a noise, well, good for them. That's what children do. Um, and uh, that sort of thing. I'm not keen on hierarchies and all that. So it's very much everybody's church. Absolutely. It is like very inclusive. Yes. And uh, looking to people to be involved. Yes. And, and contribute yes. in that way. That's wonderful. Obviously, looking back, um, especially in your years as a pastor here, 
you know, Christian life isn't all about the highs. There are highs and lows in all of our lives, but also in the life of a pastor, there's highs and lows. Could you want to just talk a bit about some of those highs and lows for you personally as a pastor in this church? Well, one of the highs was certainly after being doing all that for pastor of the church for six or seven years, uh, the, we had elders in those days uh, running the church, really, and they asked if I could... Uh, get early retirement to devote myself to the uh, work of the church. And I asked for early retirement from Surrey County Council, um, and uh, they were eager to get rid of me, really. So I was made, and then I became, um, then we had a bit of discussion here as how much shall I get paid and so on, and then I became the pastor of the church, and I used to say I was like Moses' mother. Now Moses, uh, Moses, you remember, lost her son, Moses, and he was in the bulrushes, and then his sister found him and took him to the princess there, and then the princess found Moses' mother to come and be the child's nurse. So there she was, doing what she most wanted to do in all the world, and was getting paid for it. <laughs> and there was I doing what I most wanted to do in all the world, which was to be with the lovely people of Milford Baptist Church, to enter into their joys and sorrows, and to point people to Jesus. You can't think of anything better than that, at least in my book you couldn't. And so I was like Moses' mother I was. Um, and it was wonderful work. I really enjoyed it. Oh, we moved to Milford because I was living in Farncombe. But I thought, you've got to be here so that you could you know, walk around the village and meet people and so on. I think that's fairly important too. Right. You live in France. I live in France. <laughs> Still, there we are. <laughs> and I, 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 it's interesting, I'll just share a little quick thing. The, um, I remember, I've known John for some years, and uh, I, I, uh, when I first started working as moderator here, I, I spent some time with John, and uh, John at one stage said to me, you know, well, I'm not a proper pastor, he goes. And, and I go, he goes, I'm not I'm qualified. And I looked at him and said, what rubbish. <laughs> if you listen to the life of this church, you recognise this man here has contributed so much to the life of this church. And he's done it not by telling people, but by walking the talk and leading by his example, which has been excellent. Thank you. Just very quickly, to let you go in a minute, John. I'd just like us to pray for John and June, obviously, and the contribution they've made to this church in the years. So. Can I say that when I was thinking of moving, uh, sorry, when I was thinking of retiring at the end of my, you know, the, the second bit, because I had more heart troubles and so on, so I thought it'd be a shame to collapse suddenly and leave the church with all that mess to clear up, so I retired <laughs> and... Um, I forgot where I was going with um, <laughs> this story. Yeah, and so uh, then I retired, and that was a good story, but I can't think where it ends. <laughs> well, you can tell them over lunch. Okay, okay. Let us okay. pray for John and also for June. I've got it. Can I <laughs> there was a dear lady here, Bob and, Joe, Bob and Minnie Black, because several people said, if you're not, not going to be the pastor of the church, You've got to not interfere. And so the only thing you can do is you've got to move away. 
And I thought, you know, really, I don't want to move away. Uh, and um, now I've forgotten the story. Oh yeah, Minnie Black said, don't move away, John, we don't mind about you, but we can't lose June. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of wisdom in that. <laughs> we are going to pray for you, John, just briefly. <laughs> Father, we just really want to thank you. We thank you for John and obviously for June. And uh, we just thank you for the tremendous contribution they've made to the life of this church. And we just thank you, John, for John even now, as he continues to pray and lift up this church. And although you stand, you know, as it were, stood back, his heart is very much here. And Lord, we just thank you for that. Bless them both for this day, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Thank you. I'll go upset with you. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm sensing a new TV programme, Boddington and Withers. <laughs> I could listen to them for hours, but we don't have that time. Um, so uh, thank you so much for that. Um, we invited people if they wanted to have the opportunity to share a fond memory, to uh, send something in or to speak at the front. Um, so we'd just like to continue those kind of reflections from uh, John with um, those, those snippets, those nice memories. So I'd like to invite Elizabeth Sands to come up um, to share her fond memory. And as she does, I do have uh, a couple of people who've emailed too. So we had greetings from Don AC. Some of you will know Don. And also, I just want to share a card that came from uh, Rosalind Mason, who was a founding member of NBC. She's currently vulnerable, and so she can't be here, really wanted to be here. But she said this, she said, congratulations on 40 years, happy memories, have a wonderful day in celebration. So sorry I'm unable to be with you. May God bless your ministry for his kingdom and glory. So just any of you that knew at Ros, lovely greetings from her. Hello everyone, as, as, um, as Annie, Andy has said, I'm Elizabeth, and I'm not an experienced speaker here, this, that's why I've got this, um, but Lynn has encouraged me to say something about our memories at New Road. There's so much I could say, but I'll, I'll just confine myself to an overview. My husband, four children and I all came here for the first time on Valentine's Day in 1982, so the church was only four months old by that time. And we absolutely loved it from the first moment. It was so exciting to be involved in a newly, a newly establishing church. Not only did we love the services with chorus singing and children's groups, but there were so many new ventures, each one of which bonded the church congregation in an almost mystical way. Friendship club and mother and toddler groups sprang up, bright spot, Church walks, picnics, holidays, games evenings. John Withers was brilliant at organising those, as you can imagine. <laughs> and most excitingly, the congregation was increasing almost weekly. And in those days, there were pews, not chairs. And we were even being urged to squash up in pews to make room for everybody who was coming, which was very exciting. But perhaps the most outstanding memory I have of our time here was the fantastic fun and laughter so many of us had over several Saturdays in rebuilding and repainting the hut which we had acquired from Mount Brown. Nothing like smart as you have now, but it was enormous fun. And 
it was, we, we, it was Bob Black who organized us all, and a team was even providing lunch in the church for those involved. And again, it was a hugely bonding and exciting time. And in addition, we made so many new friends, several of who are here today. Our children loved it. So as you can imagine, we have many happily memories of New Road. Thank you so much. That was, uh, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, Christine North is also going to come and share a fond memory. And as she does, I do want to share uh, something that's from Lance and Jenny Goodman. Feel free to come up, Christine. I'll just share. They sent a lovely email. I have cut a little bit of it out, but um, this is what they said. There are so many memories. Preparing veg for Sunday lunches with Dave and Di and a very little Sam proudly telling us that he'd peeled a sprout down to its lungs. New Year's Eve parties, especially the one where the Goodmans and the Clarks presented Cinderella, with Nigel and Lance as the ugly sisters. Also some memorable services with uplifting worship, a few of which we have on cassette tape thanks to Michael Herzig. It was only a couple of years ago that we played John Withens' sermon on salvation to our current home group. Perhaps the outstanding memories are of young people's summer camps, camp concerts, Loz's impressions, Kerry Cook's wide-mouthed frog, also, Chris Edge's best thing being eggy bread. But best of all were the tent inspections, where tent members did all they could to impress the judges, especially Chief Judge John Withers. I can still see John being led to and seated in a chair, having his feet washed at one end while he was fed grapes at the other end, all in an attempt to be the best tent. We were all laughing our heads off, but especially John, to such an extent that we thought he might have a heart attack. That's only the tip of the iceberg. There have been many people whose friendship, example and teaching encouraged us in the Christian life. We will always be grateful for the instruction, challenge, encouragement and love shown to our children. And we remember the baptisms of three of them at Milford Baptist Church. The fourth was baptised when he was at university. We thank God for them, for you all and for many enduring friendships. Hope you have a great day from Lance and Jenny. I think I ought to tear up my crib. Some of it's been stolen. <laughs> One thought that came from what John said, I remember the Sunday when we had the old green hut in the back and the children went out to their closets and John said, thank goodness there's somebody left because there were so many. But we were left to hear his sermon. It's been a great privilege to be part of this church in its 40 years, to experience the love, to experience the building up, the choice of the elders, the work that's gone on here, the privilege of getting to know people like John and June, Ken and Phil, George and Owen, Rich and Philippa, stalwarts of the church when it began. It's been nice too, as Elizabeth said, to be part of the working parties, to be asked to do things I wouldn't dream of doing in my own home. But people like Bob Lack and Peter Count and Brian Guthrie were all very persuasive. And it's nice to know there's a little bit of me in these buildings somewhere. And to me, 
this church, the members of the church, the work of the Lord is very, very special. When I came to this church 40 years ago, I had a lot of problems. My speech was unintelligible. I had spasms of my jaw. And I felt, if I'm honest, a bit of a freak. I was a bit of an outcast. I couldn't contribute to conversation. I couldn't ask a question. I was on the edge of things. But when I walked in here, I was shown the Lord's unconditional love. I was accepted. People wanted me as part of this church. That was very, very precious and very, very healing. There were an awful lot of hurting people in the area where we live. Some of them have never known that great love, the gift that the Lord has given us. This wonderful, unconditioning love that we should share with all the Lord's people. And my prayer for the future is that all who come through that door can continue to be shown that incredible love and that we can do the same in the area so that this church becomes known as a caring, loving church and giving all that glory to the Lord. But thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Christine. I know that neither Elizabeth nor Christine felt like they were kind of speakers, but what amazing words they've just said. I think we can all agree they very much are. Thank you, both of you, for those heartfelt words. Thank you. Um, now, hopefully, if technology is working, we should have um, something from Lisa Edge, who was uh, someone who grew up, came here, I think, right from a baby, um, now um, is working in, uh, um, and she's, well, she's older now, she's all grown up and working. I think she's going to tell her own story, um, if we're ready. Hi, everyone. Uh, happy birthday to Milford Baptist Church, and we hope you're having a really good time celebrating and hearing some of the memories that people have had of um, being at Milford Baptist Church. Um, my name is Lisa and I grew up attending Milford Church uh, when my mum brought me along probably from birth. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to um, go to the creche when I was a little baby um, and be looked after by um, some really lovely people like June Withers and many more, uh, Rose, I probably will miss people if I list you, so maybe I won't do that, but um, yeah, so I attended the crash, which was just um, a wonderful place to go uh, and start my new life. Um, and then also, I really enjoyed being able to go to a lot of the children's groups when I was younger at Milford Baptist Church. Um, so I actually attended um, Stepping Stones Nursery, uh, which was wonderful because mum also worked there, so I got to spend time with my mum while I was there. Um, and then I always remember uh, if we came downstairs and used the church hall, that meant we were playing games. Uh, so that was always a really good, fun time. And I also went to um, Questers, the youth group or the children's group, and I remember we had some really fun <laughs> and challenging tasks, and we played lots of great games. 
Um, we had different tasks we had to complete each week. And I remember Val would tick off when we'd completed something and it was lovely on a Friday to feel like you've achieved, achieved something really good. Um, and then I worked my way up also into cruises where we did things like photography and we'd go over the woods and we'd play lots of games, we'd play manhunt. Um, there were sometimes some injuries, but it was always in good fun. Um, we'd have sleepovers, so many good memories from cruises and also the Sunday school cruises. Um, I loved when Easter came round. <laughs> Uh, when we were with Brian Guthrie because he'd always get us a cream egg um, and we would definitely get our, get our cream egg if we could uh, tell you all the books of the Bible. <laughs> so we had a bit of motivation there uh, to get our cream egg but they were always really wonderful uh, memories that I've had uh, going to the children's groups and obviously then into Sparks and having an opportunity as well to volunteer with the youth team as I was a little bit older and being able to invest back in a way that was invested uh, into me by so many wonderful people who are in the congregation. So I just want to say thank you to those of you who have had input into my life, which is a lot of you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I've pursued um, a life in ministry. Um, so I've done youth work and I'm now working for a Christian organization where we train people in healing ministry and ministry skills. And um, I, I just thank you guys for having that input into my life because it's definitely shaped who I am today. Um, I did write some notes. Oh, yeah, I suppose one of the most important things as well is I would say that through going to Milford Baptist Church and attending a lot of the children's and youth work, I definitely made some of my strongest friendships through that that are lifelong friendships uh, like Isla, Bentrick, Emma Withers, and um, Steph Luzi, Becky Patworth, and my brother, my brother Nick. Uh, we are we're such uh, good friends, all of us, and it it means a lot that I had a place where I could meet those people um, and have a safe place where we could grow alongside each other. And so, yeah, I can probably speak on behalf of all of them as well to say thank you for everything that you guys have poured into us um, as young people. Um, but have a wonderful time celebrating. I'm sorry I'm not there in person, um, but yeah, happy birthday in Northwood Baptist Church. Bye-bye. Wasn't that lovely from Lisa? When I, I had obviously a sneak preview of it and I was excited. I thought that was just so lovely to see someone have grown up in that way and some lovely messages. I look around and see so many people that have poured themselves into this church and it's, it's lovely to see all of you here today. Um, I'm sure you've all got fond memories and things have been triggered so I would just encourage you to enjoy that um, the other side of the service when we're all meeting together and, and having some social time. Um, but in the meantime, let's uh, just stand together and sing, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise.
thank you. Please sit down. And now I'm going to invite David Lucas up to the front to talk about Mechanics for Africa. Thank you very much, Andy. Hello, everyone. Well, let me tell you that one of today's greatest pleasures is to see so many former MBC people who are still active supporters of Mechanics for Africa. I, I know that many of you sponsor individual students uh, as well as praying for MFA and generously supporting our funding appeals. So let me start by saying thank you because people connected with Milford Baptist Church uh, are still far and away MFA's uh, largest group of UK supporters. If it weren't for Milford Baptist Church, MFA would not exist today. Indeed, it would never have existed. It was just over 20 years ago that our members, Charlie and Sharon Watt, who were working with an NGO in Southern Africa, first had the glimmerings of what became the vision to create a college to train up disadvantaged young Zambians as uh, vehicle mechanics. Uh, Charlie and Sharon developed the vision in partnership with us, and it really was as a direct result, result of the enthusiastic engagement of David Sutcliffe, our pastor at the time, that MFA was born. Supported in the planning uh, by Peter and Sarah Cantor, Ed Stanton, Mike Stubbs, and of course, this working party of, uh, of building assistants who went to Zambia to literally dig the foundations of the college. I, I don't know whether you can see Ken Murphy there looking a bit like an escapee from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, but, but, but over now to Charlie and Sharon, let, let them tell the story. Hello. Members of NBC and greetings from sunny Zambia. We've just been asked to um, give a short message on MFA and how we felt called to set it up. So way back in 1997, we were in uh, Mozambique and we felt the need for uh, qualified, trained, competent mechanics. So we eventually started uh, the, to, to really progress that initial vision in, uh, in Andola in 2000 and with the help of the pastor of the church at that time, David Sutcliffe, we really uh, began to progress the, the, the vision. And we really did feel it was God's uh, calling upon our lives and, and God's project because at every way, every step of the way, he was involved and he was providing uh, people, resources, money and um, we were able to progress the college. For example, when we started to build the college building, we didn't have enough money to finish it, but we never had to put uh, down tools, we never had to stop work, because as we needed it, money came in. And not only that, people uh, were there in support to help, to, um, to provide guidance, to, uh, to, well, to, to provide prayer, support, and all the things that were necessary. Yeah, and we really have much to thank uh, MBC because we had amazing support. Um, just want to mention a few people like John with us, uh, John and June with us. Um, 
Jackie, um, Peter and Sarah Counter, uh, Mike Stubbs, David Sutcliffe. Um, there's been so much support. People, even if they were not sitting on the board of trustees, they were praying for us. People gave very generously uh, financially. People were really behind us, pushing that vision. But at the end of the day, we really believe that it was God's vision and His will, and He allowed that to happen. So we have so much to thank NBC for, for their support and for their prayer, um, and for God allowing that amazing college to still be there and still exist and do really well. Yes, absolutely. Not to mention, uh, not to forget, of course, all the current trustees, uh, David Lucas heading up the, the, uh, the board there. Well done to all of you. Keep up the good work. Um, it's a testament, I think, to God's provision that the, that the college has moved onwards through different uh, leaders there uh, throughout the, the time since we left, and the college is doing really well and continuing to support people and allow them to support their wider families. Um, so thank you from me too, to all of you at NBC who provided financial help, prayer support, and, uh, and, and worked tirelessly in other ways. Mm. Yeah, and we want to just send our greeting and we want to take this opportunity to thank you and to thank God for his faithfulness to mechanics and his faithfulness to all of us. We have so much to thank God for. Um, we miss you all, we hope we can see you soon. Um, sending our love and our prayers and happy birthday, 40 years for NBC from us here in Zambia. Bye. Blessings to you all. Goodbye. Bye. As uh, Charlie said, Charlie and Sharon moved on from MFA, that was a number of years ago, and Charlie now holds a senior position in human resources in a copper mining company in Zambia. And every year he recruits uh, some of our MFA graduates. God has blessed us in the people we've had living on the campus in Ndola to lead our staff team, which now numbers 22 Zambians. They look after the day-to-day -day teaching and operation of the college and uh, also operating the training and commercial workshop. From the outset, the aim has been to create a partnership between us in the UK and Zambia, and increasingly to share the influence with Zambians in staffing, management, oversight. So the trustees were really delighted to appoint Guineri Colombe at the last change of leadership when Harry and Sarah Weld Forrester returned to the UK. Guineri is Zambian and she also lived in the UK for many years. Uh, she started with us in January. The plan had been to invite her to visit us here in February, uh, but of course the COVID restrictions mean that Guaneri has been unable uh, to meet us face to face yet. Uh, till then, we have to make do with virtual contact, uh, but Guaneri and her team have prepared this brief message for us today.
Mechanics for Africa celebrates this milestone with you. Milford Baptist Church is a testimony of God's love and faithfulness to the orphans and vulnerable young people here in Zambia. Nearly half of the years you're celebrating today have been invested in empowering young people at MFA. Billy Graham once said, the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. Thank you for your obedience and commitment to mission work here at Mechanics of Africa. God bless you. Hello, Milford Baptist Church. I am Kelvin Mutambo, a student at Mechanics for Africa, and I am so grateful for the overwhelming support that we receive from you, our sponsors. And uh, I'm, so, I'm so grateful because uh, this college and institution has taught me to be truthful in my works, and it has taught me to be hardworking. It has taught me not to give up easily and be focused, be determined in everything that I do. And I uh, just want to say thank you once again. If you just extend the support to even many other lives that are vulnerable, that would be the best and we really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Hello, me for Baptist Church. My name is Frank Cheshire. I'm one of the students at Mackenzie for Africa. I want to take this opportunity to say thank you for your work. Thank you for everything. And uh, for, for me, I cannot be here without you. And here at Mackenzie for Africa, I've learned a lot in terms of spiritual guidance and I've been exposed to life vehicles of which other institution cannot do that. So for that, it's a great honor to be here. And for your support, it is not going in vain, but you are, you are impacting lives such as mine. So thank you very much, and may you continue doing this work to the list of other people. Thank you, may God bless you. So that's just two of our current students. When MFA started, there were 13 students. Now they're getting on for 100. Uh, since 2003, 508 students have graduated, uh, around 80% of them uh, in an area of very high youth unemployment, find work within three months of uh, finishing their studies with us. Uh, to help one student with the cost of education means much more than helping just one Zambian because almost every graduating student goes on to support or pay themselves for the education of up to five members of their extended family. The skills we teach and the attitudes MFA encourages really do transform lives. Uh, since MFA started, you've had a direct influence on the lives of those 500 graduates, and they in turn have helped to support another two and a half thousand of the world's most needy people. So God bless you for your generosity, and thank you all so very much. Thank you. Thank you, David. Carol is going to lead us all in prayer. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you here. Lord, we bow our heads in prayer and we come before you in thanksgiving for all that you have provided true to your promises to us. The Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. We look back over the years and see your hand in our lives and in the life of this church here in Milford, and we praise you for your everlasting care, Heavenly Father. We give thanks to you for the fact that we are all your dearly beloved children, 
and that you are the most loving Father who has ever existed. We thank you that you love us more than any human being ever could, more than we've ever loved anyone, more than any pet. You love us enough to send your one and only son to die for us when we are so undeserving. And you give up, forgive us 70 to the power of seven times every time we go wrong. We bless you for the fact that if we fall off the path which we should be following, you will come alongside us and place us gently back on that, back, on that path 50 times for every time that we fall off. We thank you that you can never die, not like a human, not like we can, not like our beloved pets can, and that you were here before the world began and will be here at the end of times. We can rely on you. We thank you that you have a plan for our lives and a better one than any life coach or lifestyle guru has ever devised. You know and love us better than we know and love ourselves. You always know what is best for us. And whenever we remember to turn to you and not to try and accomplish things in our own strength, you will always be there with your arms outstretched in order to advise us and to help us, to put us right. We thank you that you are omnipresent, that you are the mighty commander of heaven's armies, that we can call upon you or upon those who willingly serve you in either the spiritual or material realms to come to our side when we need you. Who can stand us against us if you are for us, Lord? We thank you for providing food and shelter for us and for supplying our every need, be it material or spiritual, often without us realizing that you're doing so. You do this at every single stage of our lives. We apologize for the fact that we turn to you as a last resort instead of the first resort, that instead of taking our burdens and worries straight to you as you suggest we do, we struggle on with them, weighing us down so much that we sometimes can't see the road ahead. What a friend we have in Jesus. When we look back over our lives and see how you've provided, we are in awe. We realize that your heartfelt plea for us not to worry is the most trustworthy advice. What does our worrying about the past, our fretting about the future, or our trying to plan for the present achieve? You have provided for us and will provide at every turn. We waste our energy by worrying and should trust and listen to you in all things. Make the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High and I will deliver you, says the Lord. Please help us to remember this and to be as faithful in prayer and thanksgiving to you as you are unendingly faithful to us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Carola. So in a moment, we will be hearing uh, our message from David Marson, who was our pastor here. But first of all, Denise is going to bring us our Bible readings. Good morning. First reading is taken from Psalm 105, just the first seven verses. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. 
Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. O descendants of Abraham, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. And the second reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, starting at verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from agony, from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then going to verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sarah. I'm going to invite uh, David Marsden to come and speak. We are super delighted that he's agreed to come and speak today. I did ask him when he was pastor here, and I've forgotten what he told me, but I don't know if you can remember the years when it was, David. 2009 to 2016. And we have some very happy memories of David dressed up um, at Holiday Club, which I won't share with you now, because, but those of you who'll remember them will remember. 
so we're, we're delighted to have David here. Let's just, let's just pray for David before he comes to speak. Heavenly Father, we thank you for David and we thank you for his faithful service to our church here. We thank you that you brought him to speak to us today. Please take his words and make them your message to each of us. Amen. Well, good morning. Am I on? Is that okay? Excellent. Well, it's a great privilege to be here, isn't it? I mean, just looking around... It's fantastic just to see so many faces. Yeah, the back, Lorraine. Um, so it's just, a, yeah, it's really, really, it is an honour to be here. And um, Nicky, my wife, here is, as well. And hopefully we'll get to catch up with many of you after, after the service um, today. So I, w- I wonder if you're, you're someone, though, that likes meeting um, new people and introducing yourself. Um, I was introducing myself to someone back in the summer... And the conversation sort of went like this. Well, you know, I, I grew up in, in Birmingham. Uh, or more correctly, Birmingham. That's very important you say it with the accent. I don't know if anyone else here. Is anyone else here from Birmingham originally or have any association? Okay, yeah. That's good. So, so it's very important you say it that way. I can, if, you, if you want to try and have a go yourself, it's, I, the best way I think I can describe it is it's sort of like a combination of a grumpy teenager, sort of a kind of with just adding a bit more intonation and you get Birmingham okay so should we have a go at that after three we'll do three two one Birmingham okay you ready three two one Birmingham excellent just great so I grew up in Birmingham then moved to Liverpool we did such and such a job met my now wife Nikki we worked overseas had two boys so the conversation kind of went like this and then the, the lady that I was speaking to, she reciprocated, telling me uh, her life story, which was much more interesting than mine. And uh, she said, well, you know, I've, I've uh, been a nurse, worked overseas, com- in conflict situations, and, and, and so on. Uh, but as I was introducing myself, I had this question going around in my mind. And that was, is this really the story of my life? What, what is my story? And on one level, of course, it is. Job, locations you've lived, family, friends, etc. But what we find here in the, in the Psalms, and particularly in Acts, is that that is only one part of our story. And it's actually the mini story, if you like. It's the minor story. The main story of our lives is a much bigger narrative and it's one that God writes and rather than our church story or the story of Milford Baptist Church being simply about what we might see as good times hard times people who came and went memorable events or services important though they are instead it's all about his story that he's writing where he's the protagonist And it's a story that we can be part of. And this is what we find here in Acts chapter 2. On one level, it would appear that when the Jewish people gathered for this great festival at Pentecost, that they knew their story, their life story, and what had happened in Jerusalem. Peter stands up and he says this, Fellow Israelites, hear these words. 
Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works, wonders, signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And so on the one hand, the story is this. The Jewish leaders and Roman authorities, for them it was, well, there was Jesus of Nazareth. He was this imposter, this false messiah. He's undermining the, the Jewish customs and laws. He's challenging Roman authority. So we got him crucified by Pilate. Job done. On the other hand, now Peter is standing up and saying, well, that's the way you may have been looking at it. But that's only part of the story. That's the mini story, if you like. God has a main storyline, and he's writing it. And Peter says, it's this, in verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God has made both him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. In other words, Jesus of Nazareth, this nobody in your eyes, who you thought was irrelevant to your life, this upstart you needed to get rid of, is actually the main player in history. Up until now, you've missed it. The story you've been living is one where you've been thinking and behaving as if you are the prime mover. You're the one who's making things happen. But Peter stands up and says, I'm here to tell you, you're living in the mini-story. And it's actually a false story. One of the, the great privileges I have, I, I currently work as a children's occupational therapist, and uh, one of the great privileges I have in my role is to try and help children envisage a different story for their lives. That they may have certain limitations with their disability, but they don't have to live by a story that defines them by these limitations. And I remember uh, recently working with a 14-year-old young lady who started out believing that she could not ride her bike, amongst many other things, because of her coordination difficulties. But by the second appointment that I had with her, she was cycling up and down the road, she was turning corners, she was braking, she was crossing the road, she was doing it. Today, many people, don't they, live by a false story, such as, I have no real worth, or my worth, who I really am, well, that's, that's in my achievements, or that's in my career, or that's in my looks, or something else. Peter tells us, God has written a different storyline for us. And we can choose to stay in our mini-story, but it's not a true picture of life. It's not the main storyline that we're meant to live by. The main storyline, he tells us, is this in verse 24. Let all the house of Israel know that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified. In other words, the cross and the resurrection are now the defining storyline of your life. 
Because it's there that we see Jesus rewriting our past, our present, and our future. Instead of that, that pride that says that we are the masters and saviors of our own lives, or that instead of the guilt and the shame that can hang over us because of our sin, instead of confusion about our value and identity, instead of our future being defined by death and decay or thinking it's really all down to us, he's taken all of this on him. He's defeated all of this at the cross and the resurrection. We can see, Peter says, that he is both Lord and Christ. These two things. He's over all of history. And he's also rescuing people throughout history. So we get a choice. To live in our mini-story, if you like. But that is actually to live by a false narrative. The main story, Peter's saying, is it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about him. And this is what Peter says that we need. This is the main storyline. And it's as if Peter could be standing up and singing, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. This is the main storyline. So my question to you, my question to me today, is this the main storyline of your life? And if it's not, I'm here to tell you, it can be. How can that happen? Peter tells us here, something happens to these first hearers at Pentecost. Verse 37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How does Jesus become the story writer of your life? It tells us here they were cut to the heart. What the text here in Acts and elsewhere in the Bible tells us is basically two ways that we can live the Christian life. The first is we beat our will. And we think to ourselves, I better obey God or he'll reject me. But the other way is to be cut. Cut to the heart. What is it to be cut to the heart? As these thousands gather at Pentecost in Jerusalem, the last thing that they thought was this crucified Jesus of Nazareth had any relevance to their lives at all. But then, as they hear about this crucified carpenter being raised from the dead and seen by witnesses, they're brought to this point of mourning, mourning their rejection of Jesus. And it's exactly the same for us today. 
instead of Christian faith being largely irrelevant and unwanted, maybe a nice primitive religion, good for people if they like that kind of thing, but not for me, instead of that, we're cut. Cut to the heart. And we realise, oh my word, could this be true? That I've been living my life ignoring the one person I need most of all. We realise that our ignoring God in our lives isn't so much about breaking any rules as it is breaking his heart. But what we see at exactly the same time as they are cut to the heart, and that we are cut to the heart, is that he comforts us. He comforts us. Verse 37, Peter says, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is Peter saying? Peter's saying, turn your life over to him. Stop living in your mini-story. Entrust your life to him, all of it, and you'll receive his forgiveness and his presence by his Holy Spirit. In other words, when we look at Jesus Christ murdered on a cross, we see that we are more wicked than we ever realised. But at exactly the same time, we are more loved than we could have ever imagined. We see that we, we really deserve to be separated from God, our Maker. But that's what He gets. But exactly the same time, we see that we mean the world to Him. That He's willing to do everything to win us back to Him. We see at the same time that we broke his heart, that we are infinitely loved. We see that he lost everything so that he wouldn't lose, you and I. This is what we see. That's what it is to be cut to the heart. And that's how we move from living for a mini-story. And we begin to live for his story the main storyline of all of history. I remember several times uh, visiting Bovingdon Prison. I don't know if anyone here has visited prison, maybe just as a visitor, hopefully not as an inmate. But I remember visiting the, the prison and being part of several um, services there, the chaplaincy were running. And one outstanding memory for me, I don't know if anyone else has had this experience, was the sheer gusto and enthusiasm when the prisoners were singing hymns. And, and worship songs. They would be going for it. 100% gusto singing with all their hearts. As if it meant everything to, uh, to sing what they were singing. And one of the favourites, one of the favourite songs went like this. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Do you hear the next bit? This is my story. This is my song. Praising my saviour all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my saviour all the day long. This is my story. 
You could sense it. Yes, on the one hand, their story was a terrible wrong, a crime and a punishment. But that no longer was the main story. The main story was the one they were singing. And it got me thinking, why is it that we rarely sing like that in church services? Why? I think Peter gives us the answer. It's when we're cut to the heart and yet exactly the same time comforted. So this is my question to you today. It's a question to me. Is this your story? Is this your song? If it's not, it can be. Peter here is to tell you today, if he was in this room, it can be. If we're living in the mini-story of our lives, what tends to happen is when problems come our way, we get discontented and we think, well, I just need new circumstances, don't I? I need a new spouse, or I need a new job, or I need a new relationship, or I need a new house. Or we think we need some new information, like, well, I need to go to seminars on stress, or how to get married, or how to get out of marriage. And there may be times when we need to change our circumstances. But if that is our main approach to life, the Bible is clear. We'll never find contentment that way. But if the love of God is real to you, if this is your story, if the cross is real to you, you'll be cut to the heart and you'll be comforted and you'll find peace. You'll find blessed assurance. Jesus will be yours. The one you need most is right there. This will be your story. Let's pray together. As we look back today over 40 years, with so much that we can give thanks for. By God's grace, he's, he's here now, by his spirit. The story is not ended. But we can choose today to live in our own mini story, story or live in his story, the main storyline. Lord Jesus, I just pray today for each one of us Lord, we need to be cut to the heart. And we can only do that through you, by your Holy Spirit today. Lord, let this be our story. Not just the story of the last 40 years, but the story of the years ahead. Let this be our song, praising our Saviour all the day long. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Amen. Thank you, David. We are now going to sing that very hymn. So um, we decide if we take David's challenge when we get to that, uh, that bit in the middle of This Is My Story. Um, I invite you to stand and we'll sing Blessed Assurance.
Thank you. Please sit down. So um, we've heard. Come on, minute three. Sorry. So we've heard uh, about a number of things, past and present, that have been going on uh, in BBC. Um, we are getting towards the end of our service. I'm sorry if it's going on a little bit longer, but it's been lovely to uh, hear all these things. Um, and I know we haven't mentioned everything, and I'm sorry we haven't mentioned everything. Um, there are some amazing photos that have been put together, so do look through them. And uh, a couple of things to mention that we haven't been able to do at the moment that are paused are a friendship club lunch and our toddler groups. And um, please keep those in your prayers as to how we can restart those and be COVID safe. Um, but um, I want to pass over to Lorraine now, who's going to talk about our current vision and uh, our future plans. And a bit of history. Oh, okay. Maybe a lot of history. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and I'm so pleased to see all your lovely faces. Not quite so happy that you're all looking in my direction, because as we all know, it's the people in front that get the jar. Sorry. My first visit here was in October 1890. 89, when NBC was celebrating its eighth year anniversary. Shortly after becoming a regular attender and giving my life to Jesus, I started helping with the youth work. So maybe my little offering today can at least cover, by and large, three quarters of first-hand knowledge of NBC's provision for young people. But before I do this, I'd like to ask for all the folk who have been part of bringing the news, instruction and love for our Lord Jesus. So if you would like to raise your hand or nod your head if you've been part of bringing the story of Jesus to all the youngsters in, in this church. And I am going to look around to make sure everybody's joining in. Well done, everybody. Well, it is as I thought, actually, I knew. A good deal of folk here have been involved with working with the young people over the years. So if you happen to be sitting next to someone who raised their hand or nodded their head, can you just turn to them now and thank them for their service? <laughs> thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. So here's a list of all the clubs, groups and activities for young people NBC has delivered over the years. Forgive me if I've missed any out, but there have been so many, you see. So, muffins, mother and toddlers, stepping stones nursery, pilots, questers, cruisers, adventurers, TNT, sparks, some of the originals back there somewhere, I think you should look out for them. Church Camp, Spring Harvest, Soul Survivor, Greenbelt, Naturally Na Supernatural, Big Church Day Out, numerous residential trips, including a mission build to South Africa, attendance at Christian concerts, Easter Club, Bright Spot, Chris Dingle, Kids Church, Dot, Kapow, K-Church, Messy Church, Youth Alpha, Teenage Bible Study Groups. Currently, our groups are all under the B moniker. So, B Kids, B Youth, B You, B Sunday. That's some of them at the back there. Wave at me, please. Oh, I didn't. Um, this year, since we didn't want to cancel Easter Club for a second time, we ran an on online edition. 
And last year, for a total of 26 weeks, craft packs were delivered to 40 children, which covered 19 families, most of whom were not regular church attenders. We'll more about that later. In the mid-1990s, we employed on a part share basis with Ch Ch Chiddingfold Baptist Church a youth pastor. Hello, Tim! He's <laughs> over there. Then, around 2006, we employed our very own youth worker and have seen seven energised, brilliant young people inspiring our youngsters from then until 2019. Don't overlook or underestimate the support and involvement each youth worker has had from volunteers. Like loads of volunteers. Guess what? We still need loads of volunteers since the children in youth work is currently led entirely by volunteers, most of whom have had daytime jobs or have gone and got themselves a new baby. <laughs> I'm not overstating things when I say building relationships from the babies to the terrible twos right through to with the terrifying teens. Stand up, Luke. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it is an honour and a privilege. I like to believe that when they reach adulthood, whatever that means. They have the foundational knowledge of the way, the truth, and the light that is found in Jesus. Perhaps if or when they have their own youngsters, they'll have a desire for them to learn about him too. Obviously, I don't know about all the past young people who've been ministered to over the years, but here's a couple of examples of what I do know. Now, a family man with four children, by the way, he was a nightmare teenager with green hair and no bootlaces in his boots. Well, he's encouraging, enjoying his own nightmare teenagers. They may not be nightmares. He used to make regular prison visits with his wife to deliver the good news to the inmates. Another nightmare teenager, now with his own teenage boys, also made prison <laughs> Should I stop now, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> now with his own teenage boys, also made prison visits to share the good news. He and his wife of 20 years now run marriage courses. Two others have gone on to get formal training in youth work, one of whom has gone on to work for the Acorn Christian Healing Foundation. That was Lisa. Another delivers personal, social, health, economic, relationship and sex education lessons to young people in schools around the southeast. They all, and more besides, have the foundation, foundational grounding of a Jesus-inspired life. Whether you know all the details or not, please celebrate their ongoing Christian walk that had early input from NBC kids and youth leaders. Over the past couple of years, the CLT has held several regular vision meetings to discuss 
and plan how we could move forward into the new decade in a, in a meaningful and relevant way. Since children's work is regarded as a very shiny crown in, that's gem in our hat, it made sense to proceed with the pastor that will concentrate on building the children's work at church and in schools, etc. But not only that, forge new relationships with the families of the 25 or so young people who regularly attend the weekly Friday clubs, but who haven't yet made the step towards more, learning more about Jesus for themselves. The job description for a family and children's pastor was extensively drawn up and an advertisement placed um, to be found in the Superheroes Wanted section, I believe. To, that's a joke. <laughs> Today, we've interviewed three applicants. We found two who didn't have quite the experience we look, were looking for, and the final candidate looked very promising. I mean, very promising. But he turned down our offer of the position, sadly. However, I can't tell you how excited I am at the prospect of employing a person dedicating to tending the existing flock of lambs and herding up the older lost sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, as we know, cares for all of his flock. So we wait on God's faithful and inexhaustible provision with confidence, with hope and with love. If you're a prayer warrior, and I know there's many, please pray for just the right person to be inspired to join us in this exciting new venture. Thank you. Thank you, Lorraine. So we come to our closing hymn, um, and after this, Lynn will come and explain about the exciting next steps. So thank you for sitting with us this morning. Thank you for being part of this service. Um, and uh, just mentioned thank you to the Goodmans and the Pollards, the Wests, Jean Cordell, and the Lacys, who I think are on Zoom. So those names, if they're familiar to us, they're all through there. So I'll wave on our behalves. Um, so please join me and standing for our final hymn, In Christ Alone.
please sit down. So um, we started at the beginning with John Withers, and we're going to have a blessing from Simon now, our current uh, moderator. He, um, he thinks he's our moderator. He's kind of like our pastor, but we don't tell him that because he doesn't like that. So he's just our moderator. That's all. Simon. Yeah, Andy is sometimes wrong. <laughs> Rarely. But sometimes. I want us to just lead us in a prayer for the fellowship. I mean, as we've listened, you know, church isn't this, it's this, isn't it? And I just want us to lead us in a prayer for, for good fellowship, for genuine fellowship, not a superficial thing, but a Christian heart. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have placed us into the family of God and have united us together in love and fellowship. Forgive us for times when, as your children, we have allowed the foolish issues of this world to mar our relationship with one another and with you. Unite us together in the bond of peace and knit us together in your wonderful love. Guard our hearts and our lips, and may we learn to think and to speak in ways that is pleasing to you. May we seek to be one in practice and in purpose. And may the Lord Jesus influence our conversation. May the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of peace, knit us together in love as we look to Jesus, both our Lord and Saviour. Help us to be obedient to our calling and to give us a desire to faithfully pray for one another and the needs of others. May we here in this church be a part of your universal church, being a force for good in this area of Milford and Whitley. May we be faithful witnesses to those who have yet to come to know you so that they may see our love for one another and that by seeing, they might believe. So Lord, take us as we are, and make us the people you would have us be. For the past, we thank you. For today, we welcome you. For the future, we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask Lynn to come up now because Lynn is the coordinator of all things post